good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Cody Cuff, Henry Cuff, Because all the hippies are trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi to all my friends and relatives in four directions. You are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events, and as you know, Haley, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. You're absolutely right, Jaga. This portion of the show is supported by Minnesota 350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. And we love fighting for climate justice here on Native Roots Radio and uh, uh, doing all those kind of good things. Hey, today's kind of a special show. We're going to mix it up a little bit here. And we have a couple guests from MnDOT. And we want to talk about a couple things like jobs, uh, infrastructure, and things like that. But I'm going to turn it over to Adrian first and um, introduce yourself. And uh, really appreciate you two spending some time with us today and uh, talking about what you do and what... uh, how we can support you. Hi, good evening. Thank you so much, Robert and Haley, for inviting us to uh, to Native Roots tonight. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'm Adrian Caratero. Uh, I work with Minda, the Office of Tribal Affairs specifically, uh, and I'm originally from France, and uh, I have the, the privilege to work with tribal nations in Minnesota. That's exciting. And then, uh, ain't- Angela, uh, introduce yourself. What uh, what did you do here, and uh, and what's going on here? I'm trying to get you in the big sure. screen. Sure. Yeah. Hi, Robert and Haley, and special hello to all relatives and listeners today. I'm grateful to be here. Um, so my name is Angel Staples. Um, I can talk a little bit about where I'm from and where I'm born, where I was born and raised. Um, so I was I'm a MnDOT employee first of all. So I'm here representing MnDOT. Um, but I should talk a little bit about my background. Um, so I was born and raised in the Twin Cities, and I am a member of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe. Um, I'm, I'm a highway bridge engineer, and I work for the Minnesota Department of Transportation. Um, I'm also co-chair of the MnDOT Indigenous Employee Resource Group. Um, so where I'm from, uh, Robert, I know you have ties to Harding High School and St. Paul's East Side. I actually graduated from Johnson High School. Go Governors. Oh, boo. Um, <laughs> and this might give away my age a little, but I really relish the fact that when I was in high school, the high school mascot was none other than Snoopy from the Peanuts gang. Um, today, I think the mascot is a white guy of a certain age who wears a monocle, a governor of yeah. sorts, who looks a lot like Colonel Saunders. <laughs> so um, it's all good. It's just fun historical fact. Um, and I went to college at the University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities. So go Gophers, another mm-hmm. adorable mascot. Um, anyway, I started working for the state as a student worker during college. Um, while working as a student worker, um, I discovered the MnDOT Graduate Engineer Program, um, where I rotated through different offices within the agency to gain experience and knowledge. Um, and uh, because I had such a strong interest in structural engineering, I chose the bridge office as my home base and returned to work there at the end of my rotations through the program. Um, since then, I've worked my way up the ranks and I'm, and I'm currently working as a principal engineer in the bridge asset management unit where I do a little bit of crystal ball work, uh, doing forecasting, problem solving, and risk assessments to strategize the timing of bridge investments in order to maximize the useful service life of bridges. Uh, But I'm also involved as a co-chair of the MnDOT Indigenous Employee Resource Group. Mm. Um, It is um, a small commitment to a larger cause. Um, The IERG, whose members are MnDOT employees who identify as members of First Nations of the Americas and their allies who also work as MnDOT employees, The group works to build, connect, and inspire the indigenous workforce in state government. And we aim to do community outreach, 
professional development, and we are committed to recruiting and retaining the most qualified workers within Indigenous communities across Minnesota. Um, and so very often we try to get out into the Native community and host a booth at various job fairs or career or college career fairs where we know we find our target market. Um, mm -hmm. At these events, we try to answer questions, dispel myths about the agency and working for the agency and assist qualified job seekers with navigating the job search and application process. So that's kind of my story. So wow, that's exciting. That's, yeah. that's exciting. And I just want to say that I went to Central High School in the 70s, so go Minutemen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Cool. Hey, Adrian. So, uh, what what do you think of that? I think that's uh, awesome, and I and, and what a great story, uh, and someone that can mentor in a great story to get involved uh, because we all know if if you get a job with the state and MinDOT, you know you're I don't want to say taken care of, but it's a great career opportunity, and it sounds like there's different venues and things like that to um, to move within MinDOT too. Absolutely, Robert. I think um, <clears throat> this is kind of our mission uh, here uh, in uh, coordinating and through consultation with tribal nations is to identify those tribal interests. This is actually Minnesota statute uh, 1065 uh, that was passed a few years ago and mandates all agencies to work with tribal nations on topics of tribal implications. So one of them is access, access to employment, access to contracting on public contracts, access to trainings. Uh, so we look at it pretty holistically and that's the work uh, we've done with uh, Angel um, as well with the uh, IERG over at Minda to, to work on what does that look like and work with tribal officials. Um, that's a, a big mission that we're that is uh, on the way, um, but this is really important in order to uh, try to identify and break down some of those barriers uh, to make sure that uh, everyone has access, you know, to earning a living for your family. That's what's important to us. Yeah, that's uh, important to all of us. I think one of the things I'd like to do a couple times before we're done is ask you where we can get a hold of you in that information, uh, website, email. And we want to, we want to say that a few times today, uh, before this is over. So people that are driving can pull over and jot this down or people that are listening, you know, uh, it's very important because this is a great story, but we also want to, we want to call to action. Absolutely. And so Angel was uh, mentioning the, 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 the work, you know, uh, actually in person that we do, but also we have put in place a one-on-one -on -one assistance program. Uh, and that's, uh, that can be tailored to uh, tribal members that want to apply to some of our jobs here at MinDOT. So we have a recruiter, uh, so I can give you a contact information here. So her name is Lena Garcia. Uh, and she's been working really effectively uh, with tribal members. Her email is lena.garcia at state.mn.us. And her phone line is 612-257-2388. That's 612-257-2388. So what we aim at doing is helping on resume building, helping with the application uh, online, uh, uh, process uh, and also offering some interview tips if you know uh, it's been a while and uh, it, it happens to everyone to to need a little advice on how this is going to take place uh, in um, you know rather unfamiliar uh, environment yeah I, I, one of the things I'd like to, to talk about and it sounds like you are, are talking with college students um, and maybe we could even uh, reach out to the high school people because I know we got post-secondary options and a lot of people that I've known that I've taught over the years hook up with a job in high school and go through school and come back. So maybe we can talk about that that way, uh, one of those ways too. So it's great to be here and we're going to take a quick break. You are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. Stay with us.
I heard sex trafficking happens a lot in Indian country. What is that? Here are some of the real reasons why sex trafficking happens in Indian country. Unequal gender roles that were forced on us by colonization. Communities don't have enough resources. Silence around domestic and sexual violence. Lack of attention and justice for missing and murdered indigenous people. There's a lot of behavior that keeps our communities out of balance. These are just a few true reasons why native communities are targeted by traffickers. When these acts of violence happen in our communities, it opens us all up for exploitation. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, Ogama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Hey, this is Robert Pilot. I taught in St. Paul Public Schools for over 25 years, and I want you to join the team and make a difference in our children's future. Right now, St. Paul Public Schools is offering hiring and retention bonuses up to $10,000 for a variety of teaching and classroom support positions for the next school year. Grow in a supportive and fulfilling public school setting. Limited bonuses are available, so don't delay. Apply at SPPS.org slash careers. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. I always smile that, uh, you know, uh, Dallas Goldtooth was on the show and did that promo for us. And uh, it's a double-edged sword because they're going to be only one last season of Reservation Dogs. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of fun to listen to, but it's also sad, too. And then also with the writer's strike out there, and that's just crazy. But, hey, uh, Angel... Let's talk a little bit about your path again. Maybe, uh, were you interested? In, what what got you interested to be an engineer? I, I kind of really uh, interested in that. Ah, good question. <laughs> so um, when I was in college, when I first was a freshman in college, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I just knew I was going to follow my interests, follow my heart, um, and find my own path along the way. And it just so happened that I took uh, quite a bit of math and I was actually good at math. And so I was encouraged kind of to explore engineering a little bit since math skills and engineering kind of go hand in hand. Um, And so it worked out good. I got into civil engineering and I I love, you know, making a tangible, tangible difference in my community. I mean, I see what I do. So um, it's, uh, been a great experience for me. I I got a, a, a maybe a little off subject too, but I know a lot of young women were really good at math and that at a certain age, they got turned off on it. How, how can we help? And again, this is off topic here. How can we help the, our young women um, succeed in math? Because it's really a, a strange thing as being a, a college or a high school uh, teacher to see that uh, really really intelligent young women get turned off or something happens. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Um, and I got to say, I, I always remember my high school math teacher. Um, and I was just doing what I was supposed to do, taking, you know, doing the homework, doing the getting, taking the tests and all that. And then, one day he said, Angel, stay after class. And I was like, oh, gosh, what did I do wrong? But mm-hmm. um, and he just gave me some really kind words to say, I, 
acknowledge what you are doing and um you know i think it's great that you're doing great work and um just to hear that positive reinforcement i mean it can make all the difference i mean it was probably like a five minute conversation with him and um yeah it that was i distinctly remember that as being kind of a turning point where i was like yeah i'm on to something here i'm going to keep doing it what i'm doing and you know keep at it so yes having a mentor of some sort is key um i can't stress that enough um and having someone having you know a model a role model of some sort who shows you where you can go with what you know so and that and that's what you are here too and i think words do matter and that's an important story uh really uh and i think i always used to tell new new teachers that you're going to change somebody's life you just don't know who and you may never know who and words do matter and and um so partially it's it's pigeonholing uh women do certain things they don't do math and then people act that way and then it becomes a reality is that kind of what 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 I got out of that story? Is that you got the good part yes. of? Yeah, it's it's hard. It's difficult because I have a lot of uh, former superstars that that uh, you know things happened to them and uh, and uh, it's it's uh, you're a great example of uh, moving forward and mentor mentorship to our our young ones. You know. And I just got to say this too before I go get to Adrian is that both Haley and I are golfers too. I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> go <cool>. golfers! <laughs> Great. So Adrian, how how can we get the ball rolling? How can we, you know, uh, how can we get our listeners and their family and people engaged uh, with MinDot and uh, in a good way? Yeah, great question. So I think first is, I mean, Angel, you just mentioned like building that self-confidence and anything we can do uh, through that. That's why we put this one-on-one on, uh, one assistance program together um, to help with applications, with building a, a resume, uh, getting access, trying uh, to, to, to send applications to make it uh, more tangible uh, and reachable. Uh, so building that self-confidence. Uh, we also... Um, participate to a lot of activities, uh, job fairs, events, and uh, and as you mentioned, Robert, we you know we have uh, we have met at one of those events, so we usually are pretty active. Uh, so uh, in terms of uh, of attending those, of being accessible, uh, and uh, also the. Um, the indigenous employee group has been just phenomenal in uh, in making room, you know, time to be present also in the community. So we work with tribal colleges is one of the avenue. We work uh, with tribal officials, uh, including uh, tribal employment representatives, uh, try to make sure that we really tailor our uh, approach uh, to the to the best needs. So that that includes a lot of things like um, having chairs for elders at a certain event that Mindat may host or uh, having uh, certain types of food that are, you know, uh, diabetic friendly, um, uh, but also just also celebrating, showcasing. Uh, an example is uh, we, we, we did a wonderful event uh, back in White Earth at uh, the Tribal College up there. And, um, and we had, I think, close to 15 different uh, careers uh, from Mindat represented. This is beyond wow. the, the overall French trucks that we all see and that, you know, are <laughs> absolutely amazing. I've been told they go first uh, before EMTs even, right, in the morning after a snowstorm. Um, and so that's really uh, what we know, what we see of Mindad. But there are so many other opportunities, including we have uh, drone pilots, we have archaeologists, we have um, uh, maintenance folks. So they, you know, they actually uh, have the capacity to go out on the roadway and mow and you know if you like something that's less office focused um those careers are we are often looking for um for new people uh to take care of of the roadway uh and for that there are certain times like before the winter and right at the end of winter for the summer construction season these are big hiring time uh, times for those kind of of careers. Uh, on the top of that, we offer uh, a pr- competitive uh, benefits uh, package. Uh, we have uh, sick time, 
vacation time. I think it is like also 12 paid holidays. Um, and, um, and, and I hope that this, you know, uh, and usually our salaries are pretty competitive at a, at a starting level, you know, instead of going to work for a big, a big firm or supermarket or this kind of, uh, sometimes it is a nice career uh, endeavor uh, to start with a state. And also what we want to see through those interactions with tribal officials is to rebuild that trust, yeah. rebuild the trust uh, with the state. Yeah. Angel, what, what is, uh, we only got a few more minutes left here and I'm wondering, I'm curious, what is the favorite part of your job? I think you kind oh, of gosh. touched lightly <laughs> on that. Well, you did touch yeah, I kind of hit on it. So, um, you know, um, so I got to say, you know, MnDOT has long been tasked with helping to support the community goals of mobility, accessibility, and economic vitality. Um, I serve this great street. Um, okay. I'm very passionate about all the many facets of civil engineering and structural engineering, and this agency allows me to indulge in it. Um, as a public servant, it can feel so rewarding to have the opportunity to make that tangible difference that I mentioned in my community and to know I've done a tiny part to keep everyone safe while traveling in whatever mode they choose to take to arrive at a destination. So it's kind of, kind of my is, thing. That's awesome. Uh, so do you get out of the office much? Uh, do, uh, do you go check on your the gusset plates and all that on uh, bridges, or 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 is it a lot of it uh, working with the computer? Yeah, a lot of it is computer stuff. Like right now, I'm working from home full time, um, but uh, definitely uh, in order to get out and learn more about uh, the effectiveness of what I do on the computer <laughs> in the yes. real world is really important. So I do get out on occasion. Is it a CAD? Uh, is that the program you use, uh, or is or am I just a dinosaur by asking that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have people who specialize in doing CAD work, um, and then there are people who specialize in crunching numbers too. So <laughs> mm -hmm. it's kind of all a balance. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of things out there for MnDOT to do, and. Uh, and I'm excited to have you guys on and really, you know, give us a little taste. And I'd love to have you on again, too. And just to let you guys know, I'd love to uh, be invited uh, as a, my real job is I am a Ho-Chunk representative here in District 4, which is everywhere but but uh, Wisconsin. So to come in and, uh, and uh, enjoy uh, what you guys are doing for this great state of Minnesota. So I want to say, Peeny Gigi, thanks a lot for being on today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. <laughs> right on. Yeah, thank hey, you. right on. Well, let's do this again. And uh, thank you so much. You know, uh, MnDOT is, gets us around and uh, we need you and uh, we need people to step up and uh, work for MnDOT too. There's a lot of opportunities. I like that drone pilots and everything in between. Uh, so. Pini Gigi, thank you so much, you two, for being on. And up next, I got Robert Lilligren, who's taken over the show because I have to make like a tree and leaf. I have an area meeting to go attend, but we're really excited. Robert's got a guest, and uh, Haley and Robert will be holding it down. You're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. Even though the public COVID-19 emergency might be over, it's still important to stay up to date on vaccinations. And if you're like most people, you probably need a refresher on who should get vaccinated and when. So here's the bottom line. If you're six years or older, aim for that one updated COVID-19 vaccine. It doesn't matter if you've had a previous vaccine or not, you're still in the game. Now, if you're 65 or older, you've got the green light for one extra dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Just wait four months after your first updated dose and you're good to go. And for the little ones, children between six months and five years may need multiple doses, including at least one of the updated vaccines, based on their age and previous doses. Remember, always stay informed and reach out to healthcare professionals for personalized guidance. Didn't catch all of that? You can find all of the updated COVID vaccine information at health.state.mn.us. That's health.state.mn.us. This message is brought to you in partnership with the Minnesota Department of Health. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. 
City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Life is a journey, and the Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas will help you get where you want to go. Located in downtown Minneapolis, this affordable two-year college provides free textbooks, a laptop, meals, career coaches, and a metro transit pass, making DFC the perfect pathway to a bachelor's degree. Turn your dreams into reality at Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas. Apply today at dfc.stthomas.edu. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let howl. Hey, it's Tom. Fossil fuels continue to have negative impacts on our environment. Luckily, there are more ways now than ever to use renewable energy in your home or business. All Energy Solar offers smart energy solutions like custom solar paneling, electric vehicle chargers, and energy storage. Solar panel systems can last for decades, meaning you can help the environment and cut back on electric bills for years to come. There are incentives and rebates available to most people who install solar energy, too. Last year, the federal solar tax credit increased to a 30% tax credit. This incentive can be used in combination with other incentives from your utility, county, or city. But don't delay or miss out, as many of these incentives are limited to only a certain number of people. So have a professional from All Energy Solar help you discover how solar can power up your property while saving on your energy costs. Call 800-620-3370 or visit allenergysolar.com. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Tonight, a slight chance of rain and storms with a low of 67. Another chance of rain and storms on Friday with a high of 87. 30 Bales is a celebration of the best of everything Midwestern cuisine has to offer. Located on the corner of Main Street and 11th Avenue in Hopkins with plenty of free parking. More at 30bales.com. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Development Institute in Minneapolis. And speaking of NACDI, which does so many wonderful things for our community, I want to hand the host mic over for the second half of the show to a guest we're grateful to have on every week, NACDI's president and CEO, Robert Lilligren. Yeah, thanks so much for that kind introduction, Haley. And uh, thanks for promoting our work at Native American Community Development Institute, or NACDI here in South Minneapolis on the American Indian Cultural Corridor, uh, where we uh, focus on the people side of community development, building capacity in the community, uh, within groups and within our staff as well. And speaking of NACDI staff, I am thrilled to welcome as our guest this evening, the director of NACDI's All My Relations Arts, uh, Angela Two Stars. Angela has been with NACTI for several years now, and she first started as an exhibiting artist in her first public uh, arts exhibition. She came back to guest curate an incredibly moving show that kind of became a movement um, called Bring Her Home. Uh, and, and now she's been the director for several years, I think four years now, if I'm not mistaken. She'll correct me and and she has just stepped in as not just an incredibly talented and uh, effective Native arts professional, but as an artist herself. And since she has come to the Twin Cities, her career has just taken off as a public artist. And she'll talk a little about that and some of the work that she's done as well, and some of the work that the All My Relations Arts and the Gallery are doing on the American Indian Cultural Corridor. So welcome, Angela. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for the invitation to be on the show tonight. 
Thank you for accepting. And even though I'm uh, technically Angela's boss, I didn't tell her she had to be here. She came <laughs> here of her own accord. And we're very grateful. So, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. Do you want to just take a minute, maybe, Angela, and talk about some of your own arts activities before we get into the gallery? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I got my start at All My Relations. Like you said, I was a, a my first juried exhibition was at All My Relations in late 2016. And that just opened up opportunities like kind of moving forward that, you know, so I didn't really know and understand the impact that all my relations arts has on artists' professional careers because I'm a testament to that. Um, the, I was invited to be part of an artist panel and around the same time, there was a call for art for the public art at Bidé Makaska, which is um, acknowledging my ancestor, Machiavelli Chasta. And so I reached out to the staff at All My Relations and said, hey, do you know anybody that's connected to this call? Because that's my ancestor. And I want to know, I wasn't thinking about applying because I wasn't a public artist then. Um, and they reached out to the project manager and invited her to come to the, the talk that I was going to be part of. So I got to meet her. And then one thing led to another. I applied for that opportunity and I was selected. And it just, you know, kind of was the start launching point of my career as a public artist. Um, since then, I have multiple public works in the Twin Cities. Um, my most well-known commission is with the Walker Art Center. I have a permanent sculpture installed mm -hmm. in the Minneapolis Sculpture Garden, and that's called Okchiapi, which is Dakota for help each other. Um, I've done work for the city of Minneapolis, St. Paul Port Authority, the Ordway Center for Performing Arts. Um, I'm in the Wakpa Triennial Art Festival right now, if you see in my background, I have uh, hanging on my wall the artwork that I did for that festival. Um, so that's up until, what is it, September? Great. So, yeah, keeps me busy. You are a very busy person. And and so for folks who are listening from other areas, uh, Angela's first public art commission at Bede Macosca, uh, Bede Macosca is Minneapolis' sort of premier lake. We're called the City of Lakes in Minneapolis. And Bede Macosca is kind of the jewel in the crown. It used to be named after a wretched slave owner, Confederate uh, sort of uh, officer. And there was a huge movement led by the uh, local Dakota community, many of whom consider themselves coming back from exile. They were exiled from the state of Minnesota in the middle of the 19th century after the U.S. Dakota War. And they took over, they organized, and they pushed for the change of the name from this wretched Confederate slave owner to what is now Bidemikoska. It was a huge victory for the local community. And then Angela, who is a direct descendant of the um, resident and leadership of Bidemikoska, really brought her art that focuses on Dakota language, Dakota symbolism, and it, it was a huge deal. So thank you, Angela, for being willing to do all that. Yeah, and it was actually what brought me back home as I, you know, my ancestors were those that were exiled. And so for me, it's it was a homecoming, coming back to Minnesota and reconnecting with the land. So it's been wonderful to be back in my like homelands. <laughs> I love it. And that, uh, that theme of sort of reclaiming and returning from exile really uh, permeates a lot of Angela's public art works that are on display throughout the Twin Cities here. So good work. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're welcome. And it's just wonderful to see how you take such a thoughtful approach to your work. And, uh, and at NACD, we're fortunate we work with a ton of incredibly talented Native professionals. They are, are all outstanding in their fields. And I just think Angela um, is an example of, of NACTI living its mission and really developing someone along their uh, their career path and their career trajectory. And as Angela can attest, an incredible number of artists, Native artists' careers have launched right out of our little gallery. Right. Yes, we have, um, a, what is it, like tw over 20 years of operations as All My Relations Arts Gallery. And the names of those who've come out of our gallery, like Deanne Whitehawk, who's a former director, you know, Andrew Carlson, Jim Denmy, Frank Big Bear, you know, there's just a ton of people who have 
somehow been connected either working at NACTI or being exhibiting artists, you know, had really got their start in our space. And, you know, right. so they have a very, uh, we just have a long history of supporting native artists and it's just wonderful that that support is able to uplift them and their careers. I agree. It's been so inspiring. And even there's a sort of a next gen, you're kind of the next generation. You know, there's native artists like Marlena Miles and others. Marlena is a former All My Relations Arts Gallery assistant. And it's just got kind of a little magic touch. <laughs> and it gives not just native people an opportunity to come and see contemporary native art, but non-native people to come and see what contemporary native art uh, looks like and so we have a great show opening tomorrow tomorrow i don't know if you want to say yeah with an event and i don't know if you want to say a few words about that yes yeah, so we are hosting a solo exhibition by laura youngbird and it's titled in day Wisagadam, which is ojibwe for my heart hurts laura is a minnesota chippewa grand portage band uh, member and she does printmaking, which is really fun for us to be able to feature. Um, it's not often that we have very many Native artists that work in printmaking. And so Laura has about, I want to say like 33 works in the exhibition that are multi-layered, multi-faceted monotype prints. And she uses the dress as a metaphor for her work um, that addresses a wide range of social issues, injustices and biases. Um, she she uses the dress as a layer for meaning that's inspired by pictures of her grandmother. She explores identity or the lack of what that's been created by the assimilation policy that was intended to acculturate native children into the dominant culture. Um, and the symbol of the dress is reminiscent of her mother sewing dresses for her and her sisters and teaching sewing as an act of love. So yeah, we're just really excited to feature her work and, you know, as a, as a reluctant printmaker is what I call myself when we brought <laughs> out Laura's work um, to, to start, you know, curating into the space. I understood why printmakers get so giddy about seeing other printmakers works. And I found myself just getting really um, excited and, and want to say, Oh, her work just looks so yummy. <laughs> <laughs> like the, yeah, the textures that's created in printmaking. It's just something else. And so I, I, I never could understand back in my college days, like why the printmaking peoples were always kind of so like, Oh, look at this area right here, you know, but now I get it. <laughs> now I get it. And I, right. and I do consider well, myself I, a reluctant printmaker. So. I love it. I love it. I've seen the show being installed. I saw it today. It's almost entirely installed. It looks great. I, I get what you say, yummy. I, my word is kind of luscious. You know, there's yes. just so much, much going on. And uh, Laura's uh, use of the dress, you know, for me, of course, evokes a, a red dress, which is such a powerful symbol within our cultures and communities. And, and so it opens tomorrow, right? Folks are invited to right. a, 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 an event. Our opening reception is tomorrow from six until eight. And Laura is actually going to be giving an artist talk beginning at 7 p.m. I love it. I love it. So people who are in the Twin Cities area or nearby, please come down. All My Relations Arts on Franklin Avenue, the American Indian Cultural Corridor, uh, in our distinctive little yellow building. And, and you'll see some tremendous art. And uh, I think it's so amazing. Our gallery is pretty small, at, you know, overall, but it has such a huge impact. So I expect a good crowd tomorrow for the opening and for the artist talk. Yes, I, I call it small but mighty. <laughs> yes, it is small but mighty. It is, it is. And for local folks or even folks from outside the area, our tiny building uh, houses All My Relations Arts Gallery. It also has Powell Grounds Coffee Shop. And then our offices are there as well. And Powell Grounds is quite a meeting place for the local community and today because it was our four sisters farmers market it was hopping I mean, the market was hopping the coffee shop was hopping i don't know angela if you got to spend oh, I, was, time there. I was there all day and it's just thursday Great. it's just a hopping in day there's you know we were installing a new show the market was going on it's just got this like electricity on thursdays with so much you know just so much going on it's it's fun to be part of the community on thursdays so you get to see everybody and it's great it's a huge part of community building. We have uh, 
vendors at our Four Sisters Market. It's grown exponentially through the years. I don't know if this year it's the same way, but last year and the year before it was all women vendors, uh, a lot of um, Native women vendors and uh, exclusively, or I think almost 100% at least women of color vendors. So we're advancing entrepreneurialism uh, in the Native community and communities of color. And like you said, it's just a, it's a happening scene. It's a place to be. It's where Native people come together um, to be together and to build community. So uh, stay tuned. There's always more. We're gonna. It's a growing project of NACTI. And and if folks can stay with us, Angela is gonna talk about some more incredible work she's been doing through all my relations arts, um, developing and empowering Native muralists and also Native authors in a, in some cohort programs she's been leading. So uh, please stay with us. Yeah, you're listening to Native Roots Radio. I'm awake and we'll be right back. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Attention, Native American community. We've come a long way in our fight against COVID-19. The emergency declaration may be over, but our responsibility to stay vigilant remains. It is crucial to remember that the virus is still among us, and we must continue to prioritize our health and the well-being of our loved ones and elders. Besides getting vaccinated, let's not forget the basics when we're around people who are still vulnerable to COVID-19. Wear your mask, wash your hands regularly, and take an at-home COVID-19 test if you have any symptoms. We've shown incredible strength and resilience throughout history, and we will triumph over this challenge as well. Let's honor our ancestors by taking care of one another and keeping our communities safe. Together, let's navigate uncertain times with courage and unity. Stay informed, stay safe, and remember that our actions today will shape a brighter future for our Native community. Find more tips on continuing to be safe at health.state.mn.us. End-of-life decisions are not easy to make. Hi, I'm Mary T. of Mary T. Hospice Care. It's important to make sure that this difficult time is meaningful and comforting to you and your loved ones. Our hospice team provides an individualized program of physical, emotional, spiritual, and practical care so your loved one is comfortable and not in pain. At Mary T. Hospice, we understand that choosing the right hospice care provider can be overwhelming, but we're here to assist you. Learn more today at MaryTInc.com. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. How? Good one. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew, should have prepped you for the howl there. You could have participated. So I'm Robert Lilligren. I'm the president and CEO of Native American Community Development Institute on the American Indian Cultural Corridor in South Minneapolis. And I'm filling in for Robert for this last half so he can go off and continue to serve the community in another way uh, in his role as a Ho-Chunk legislator. So thank you for this opportunity. And Haley, thanks so much for your help and support and seeing, guiding us through this. And, and I gotta tell you, Angela and Haley, listening to Robert in his uh, public service announcement about COVID, I just had a little flashback to to the beginning of the um, uh, quarantine era and also uh, uh, the stay-at-home era. And then here in Minneapolis, of course, George Floyd was murdered in May of 2020 and and everything changed and the city right. blew up. Parts of the city were burning. It was very scary. And 
uh, with Angela Two Stars leadership. Angela Two Stars, the director of All My Relations Arts, who's with us tonight. Uh, we quickly converted the All My Relations Arts gallery into a pop-up um, sort of store, food shelf, grocery store almost, because so many of the food access points in our community had burned and were no longer open to people. And I don't know, Angela, if you ever think about that era, but I feel like now we're finally kind of dealing with the trauma of that time. And I just remember what an incredible community service that All My Relations Arts did at that time. Yes, and you know, it kind of comes around full circle. Like just today, Angel Swan, who was the kind of food coordinator of that temporary food shelf that was in the gallery, she has now come to NACTI as the, um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly the title, executive administrative assistant. I'm not sure, like, correct mm -hmm. me. Administrative coordinator as well. Yeah, that's close yeah. enough. Yeah. So, um, but she was saying she saw one of the ladies today who would come in almost daily to the food shelf and, you know, Angel ran into her today and the lady like gave her a gift, you know, so it's like that reconnection, that healing mm -hmm. of, and, and just that community of like, we were all together then and like, we're still here together now. And, and that remembering that kind of shared trauma we all endured in, in that, that period of time in our neighborhood and in the cities, you know, I think it was just, it's interesting that that just came up today in the office. <laughs> That's very interesting. And, and it does seem like, at least for my experience, I'm in this era of now finally kind of processing through that. And, you know, every so often I've been participating in some conversations and panels that are touching on that. And, and I just forget how crazy it was here and how painful it was here at the time. And so it was cool to be able to serve the community in that way. And, and I'll point out, we weren't just serving Native people, right? We were serving and protecting our non-native neighbors, our non-native assets. And that's what community is all about. So it was it was a big deal. So Angela, in this last section, I was hoping we could yeah. talk about maybe some of the capacity that we build in the community. And under your leadership at All My Relations, we arts, we've um, developed this cohort model, both in visual artists and different media, like electronic media or mural making, and also within writers that we've established cohorts of native writers, getting native writers to publishing and things. So I wonder, I wonder if you could please talk a little about that. Yeah, so I can share that, you know, once, once the pandemic hit and the gallery was, was shuttered, you know, for that um, period of time, we couldn't emphasize, you know, in-person gallery exhibitions like we typically do. But what that allowed us to do is open up and branch out into partnerships. And so we worked with a number of community partners like um, Northern Lights um, MN to do a project called Illuminate the Lock-In Dam. Um, we did right. a partnership with the Minnesota Department of Transportation and we have a, a three-year mural that still is currently installed on Franklin Avenue that addressed the homelessness crisis, especially in 2018 with the Wall of Forgotten Natives. Um, right. And and then we've also partnered with Hennepin Theater Trust for a multi-year cohort model where we've selected three artists to work underneath a mentor on different types of highly visible art forms. So the first project we had a digital cohort where we had three artists working with a mentor to learn about digital animation, digital art. And then those works were then displayed on the clear channel media billboards throughout the Twin Cities. So it's really amplifying mm -hmm. native truth telling through a visual lens. And this year we've been working with a mural cohort. So after the murder of George Floyd, we saw all of the business windows covered with plywood and those were taken over by artists and our city became a, you know, kind of like a city of murals for artists using those blank canvases. And so we, we invested in uh, three artists that are working with a mural mentor and they're, they're not mural artists per se, but it's wonderful to see how they're able to translate their art forms into mural art and be able to see like, oh, you can step outside this box that you think you are as an artist and you can apply that to other right. ways of making art. And we have a wonderful mentor named Thomasina Totbear. Um, she's got murals all throughout the Twin Cities and she's working with these three artists. They're actually going to be doing a mural at the new newly rebuilt refractory building on Bidet Makaska. So they'll be working on that this, this summer. So yeah, it's it's been wonderful to work with that group. Um, 
it's wonderful to see what we're doing is trying to grow that pool of artists that are working in digital media, trying to grow the pool of artists working in mural art. So that's right. our partnership. I love it. And the partnerships have with these places where this uh, art is being displayed are some of the most high profile places in Minneapolis. So Angela mentioned the Clear Channel uh, billboards, electronic billboards, but also uh, part of the partnership through the Hennepin Theater Trust was to activate more native presence on our theater district. In downtown Minneapolis, the Hennepin Avenue is the theater center of Minneapolis and about tens of thousands of people visited through the theater season, maybe hundreds, we should get that number. But it just really exposed a lot of people who wouldn't have the opportunity to see contemporary native art. And it's very commentary, right? It's very, sometimes maybe a little political, a little sharp, but they got to see it. And now this mural that will be installed, you know, more or less permanently at Pere Makaska at a new pavilion, the old one burned down. Uh, will be seen again by tens of thousands of people throughout the season. So it's really lifting the profile. And yes. then we have our native writers cohorts, which I just think are yeah. amazing. Yeah, so um, Diane Wilson, who's like a celebrated Dakota author, approached me uh, kind of right when I first started at NACD and she wanted to um, look for a way to support native writers. And I am you know, a huge supporter and lover of books. And um, prior to coming to NACD, I worked as a curriculum coordinator for a language immersion school. And one of the right. uh, lack of resources we had was um, materials written by native writers. And so when Diane approached me, I said, yes, sign me up. I'm, I'm do what we can to do to help. And so what we did is we applied our model of supporting native artists to supporting native writers. And so we had a group of eight cohort writers um, who were very committed to a monthly practice, um, a dedicated writing practice with the end goal after that, I want to say it was an 18 month period of, of being close to or have completed a finished manuscript that then could be taken for publication. So we invited editors, um, publishers, agents, um, funders, all different ways that we can support these writers. And this current cohort, we have 12. Um, our applications were way more than we could, you know, ac accommodate. Mm -hmm. But we'll have two more, two readings of that that group of those twelve this summer as part of the Walk Pop Festival. So not only do these native writers get mentorship from professional writers, they create a product that's publishable. Like these opportunities to read their work in public to really advance their skills as readers, but also. Uh, of the exposure that they need and it's so important for writers to be able to present their work or and to talk about their work so it's just living the NACD mission right of building that capacity so it's a joy to work with you Angela and thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yes thank you for having me. All right thank you Robert Lilligren again uh, President and CEO of NACD taking over host for Robert while he steps out you're listening to Native Roots Radio and we'll be back tomorrow have a good night.